This morning, some of our youngest children taught me a really important lesson about Christmas presents. It was really helpful to me. Some of you weren't here, so I'll just repeat it, and I'm still pondering it. Apparently, Christmas presents do not grow on the Christmas trees. I didn't know that. They don't grow on the branches like bananas and apples and pears and limes and lemons. It's not how it happens. Secondly, Christmas presents don't grow in the ground. Even if your tree's out in the backyard, apparently, the, cre- the, tree- the presents don't grow through the soil through the ground. Thirdly, the children clarified for me that they don't just poof out of the air. So I was amazed by that. And I wanted to understand where the presents came from. And they told me, if there are presents near the tree, there's a giver. And they had a unique giver in mind, of course. And I agreed with them. If there are presents, there's a giver. And the greater the gift, the greater the giver. Tonight, just for a few brief moments, as some of you stand, hello. Now, I want to just consider with you three great gifts from the greatest giver, God Himself, from our passage, from the Gospel of Matthew, from the first chapter. If you would, it's printed for you in our worship God, also in your Bible. Matthew chapter 1, I'll be reading verses 18 to 23. God has three great gifts. His long-promised Messiah, his, his salvation, and himself. Please read along with me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Please pray with me. Oh, Father, help us see these three gifts. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one true God, help us see these three gifts tonight that we might give you thanks, rejoice, and celebrate your goodness tonight and tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Here are the three gifts that God wants you to know about that he's given. The first one is his long-promised Messiah That is the Christ that he promised to send. Uh, If you'll notice, verse 18 says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Um, I want you to know for sure that Joseph and Mary, uh, Joseph did not have a last name Christ and Mary didn't take on that name when she married Joseph. Christ is not Jesus's last name and that's really important. It's actually a title. It tells us about his office and what he came to do and accomplish. In the Old Testament, there's one name that's the most important name in the Old Testament, and it often hides behind a title in our English translations. The name of the Old Testament is actually Yahweh. In the Hebrew text, 
Yahweh appears over over 6,800 times in the Old Testament. But when we, we, we read our English Bibles, every time the Hebrew says Yahweh, our English Bibles say the Lord and L-O-R and D are all in capital letters. But I want you to know behind that title is actually the name Yahweh. Well, this is just the opposite. What happens in the New Testament is the most important title is often treated like a name. But it's not a title, not a name, it's a title, and it tells us who Jesus is. He's the true, long-promised king that the whole world has been waiting for, that God's people have been waiting for, and God had promised to send a king to make things right, to fix the world, to heal the nations and restore the whole creation one day. And when you're told that Jesus is the Christ, you're being told that Jesus fulfills that office. God made promises to send a certain kind of king, a certain kind of ruler, and and Jesus is that king and ruler. It may not surprise you, but when I was young, I talked a lot. I know it's a big surprise. And, uh, and my mother loved me very much. She's a, a very loving mother. But sometimes she told me that she would just tune me out because I just didn't stop talking. And she had to get some things done. And I'd be at her feet and she'd be doing her house chores. And she'd be going and working. And I'd be talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And she would just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And eventually I would say, wheelie mama, because I couldn't say my R's, wheelie mama. And then, and then at that point she realized she had to tune in. Wait a minute, hold on, what did I just agree to? Because she wasn't really, she wasn't really listening. Well, I just want you to know that words are very, very important. Words are important and titles are important. And this tells us about this aspect of God's gift that he, he had promised to send a king. God had, he'd promised to send one to fix the world and made things right. And when he sent his son, that's who the Lord Jesus is, the true and great king. Christ is not our king's name. It's his title. And it's an important one. It tells us, his title tells us he's the long promised king. And more than that, he's not just our king, but as the anointed one, he's also the ultimate prophet, the final spokesperson for God and the great priest, the one who would offer the great and final sacrifice. That's who Jesus is. Second, God's second gift is his salvation. Now I said in the Old Testament, there was this name Yahweh that appears over 6,800 times hidden in English behind the Lord. Uh, The name looks like a title, but it's really a name. And one time I was talking to an Old Testament professor who I have a lot of respect for. And we were talking about this and I was talking about how it irritates me a little bit that you don't see Yahweh in the English and you see the Lord. And he said, yeah, that seems important. But you know, Yahweh kind of disappears in the New Testament. And I was shocked that he said that because it doesn't. Look with me here at these verses about the Lord Jesus. So Jesus is born of this woman, Mary, who's not been with husbands the way a wife was with a husband. They're not quite married yet, but she's already expecting a child from the Holy Spirit. And the angel comes and tells Joseph, hey, don't put her away. No, keep her because the child that is in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, the angel comes and names Jesus. He comes, the angel comes and tells Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a name and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I want you to know what that name means. Um, we, we say Jesus in English. In uh, Greek, they said Jesus, and in uh, Aramaic, they said Yeshua, or we, and we would call, say Joshua sometimes. And guess what? That name, every time, no matter how you say it, that name means Yahweh saves. That's what the name means. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. He is 
the savior that God sent in the world, not just to rule and be the king to make everything right, but to be the savior who would save his people from their sins. That's what the passage says. That's what the angel said. Call him Jesus. Yahweh saves before he will save his people from our sins. You may have noticed that in our liturgy tonight, we read from Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, a serpent slithers into the garden. It's not really a snake. It's the arch enemy of God and his people, the one called the Satan in the, in the Bible. And he's a murderer and a liar. And he comes in in the form of a snake and he tempts Adam and Eve to rebel against the good creator, the all wise, all powerful, good creator. And they listen to the hissing voice of the serpent in the garden and they rebel against God. He tricked them. He told them that they could be like God if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If they grasped for knowledge on their own terms, then they could be like God themselves. And they fell for that trick and they rebelled against God. And God comes in. You may have heard it in that second reading. God came in in the cool of the day, pursuing Adam and Eve, seeing where they were, asking them in questions, exposing the sin and the rebellion so that he can deal with them mercifully and graciously. But he's not merciful or gracious toward the serpent, not toward the evil one. As a matter of fact, you heard it there. It was in Genesis 3.15. He says uh, to the serpent, I'm going to separate you and the woman. I don't want you influencing her. I'm going to separate your descendants from her descendants. I don't want that influence to happen there. And then he says, and he, one born of a woman, he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Now, by the way, if one of you and I, if we get in a fight tonight, um, I want to use my heel and you use your face, please. Well, can we do that? Can we just agree that I'll use my heel and you'll use your face? Uh, Genesis 3.15 is telling us that there's going to be one who's going to come born of a woman, who's going to enter into this story that God is telling us. And when he shows up, he's going to crush the head of the serpent. That is, he's going to defeat the evil one, the Satan, the serpent that was in the garden. And Jesus does defeat him because he's Yahweh saves. He's the salvation that God sent. And here's how he defeated him. If you want to read a fun Christmas passage tomorrow, read Revelation 12. Here's what we're told, that that serpent appears as a mighty dragon to persecute the, the, the woman and the church, the, God's people. But he's cast out of heaven and his powers are taken away. And here's what he's called. The accuser of God's people is cast down. How so? See, that's the, the main thing that, the, that the, our evil has is he has the power to tempt us. And then when we sin, the power to accuse our conscience. But Jesus has come to save us. And here's how he's done it. He's taken the, all the accusations that the evil one can throw at you and me. And he took them upon himself. This is how Jesus is Yahweh saves. This is how he's God's salvation. God's own son by the Holy Spirit was born of the Virgin Mary and came into the world to pay for our sins. Therefore, if you believe in Jesus, the accuser has nothing to say about you. It's through Jesus' death on the cross that the head of the evil one is crushed. And if you believe in him, then you have salvations he saves us from our sins by taking the role of the accused by taking the blame upon himself and then the angel announces that at the beginning before he's born joseph you'll call him jesus for he will save his people from their sins 
Finally, I want you to see that the third gift God has to share with you and me is himself. And here's the deep, deep mystery of Christmas of God's unfathomable ways. After the angel says this, Matthew comes in as the author, like an editor, and says, all this, the conception of the Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the appearing of the angel, all these words, all these actions, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now he's in a quote from a prophet named Isaiah from the Old Testament. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew interprets for you and me. Emmanuel means God with us. Here's what Matthew's saying. When you look at Jesus, the one born of the Virgin Mary, the one who came into her womb through the agency of the eternal Holy Spirit, you're seeing God himself in the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus came and when the the eternal son came as the person Jesus and when he comes into the world, he is God himself and he's come to share his life with us. These are God's chief gifts. The king that we need. His very salvation achieved through his own son in our humanity. In this way, God shares his life with us you can have a real relationship with the one true God who made all things because he sent his son to reconcile people like you and me to himself, to be God with us, among us, and for us. Let's pray and sing to his praises. Father in heaven, how thankful we are that you sent your son to be with us In him you are among us and for us. Now fill us with joy in your presence as we sing of these great things. In Jesus' name, amen.